Welcome to Hacking the Self. I'm Adrian Baker. Today I have an exceptional guest for you. His name is Roger Drummer, and he's an extremely experienced and knowledgeable Chinese herbalist who has a remarkable story on how he beat stage three bladder cancer with the ketogenic diet and Chinese herbs. But that's just one small piece of the story that Roger has to share. And today's episode is really a great follow up to the series that. We did with acupuncturist Benny Lan on Chinese medicine. Roger talks about how Chinese herbalism is a huge component of Chinese medicine and explains a little of that connection before he really focuses on what Chinese herbalism is and why people should care. And I think why people, practically speaking, why people many many people out there might be interested, even if they have no real interest otherwise in what they might consider to be a very esoteric study of Chinese medicine, is that I think. Most people out there, from one degree or another, especially in a modern post-industrial society, especially in the U.S., are really struggling with stress. Stress is at the root cause of so many of our health problems, and frankly, the American lifestyle very much produces stress. Not just the American lifestyle; it's it's the modern capitalist lifestyle. You know, I see it very much not only in, in Western countries, but. From living over in Asia for a while, you can see how the more country has adopted that, countries like Singapore and South Korea and Japan, the more they tend to suffer from a lot of similar problems, physical and mental health that Western countries have been struggling with for some time. So Roger has a wealth of knowledge. That is really great for improving your health, in particular stress, and he's got a wonderful. Product for reducing your stress. It's called Tian Chi, and it's this mix of phenomenal herbs and adaptogens from Chinese medicine and some Ayurvedic medicine as well, which is the ancient medical system from India. And he developed this first just for himself. He just it was a formula that was really working for him and making him feel deeply calm and relaxed. And then he started. Producing it for others, and Roger gets into the science of why Tianchi works so well to downregulate your nervous system and support your adrenals, and to reduce stress, and how that's great for your overall health, and the particular ingredients in Tianchi. Some of you will recognize some of the ingredients, perhaps reishi mushrooms, which is very popular with other companies like Four Sigmatic. Whose products are great, and which I sell on my website adrianbakerchigong.com, but would really encourage people to check out Roger's formula Tianchi. Just like anything, you need to give it a bit of a shot. I'd encourage you buy a thirty-day supply and see how it feels. You know, I think I'd encourage particularly people out there if you are feeling stressed, you're looking for a more healthy way to deal with it. He's got two great formulas. One. Which is for the daytime called Tianchi, which also has a good dose of vitamins and things that can support cognitive function. And then he has Inner Peace, which is a lot of the same core of adaptogens, but is more suited for the nighttime. And I take Tianchi in the morning and Inner Peace in the evening. And the Inner Peace in the evening is also great. That I find when I take that around my dinner time. It depends actually when I eat. I'll take it about two hours before I'm getting ready for bed. It takes about an hour to kick in, so that last hour, when I'm starting to do my routine, getting ready for bed, it really I'm feeling deeply relaxed and starting to be tired, and it really sets me up for a good night's sleep and falling to sleep more quickly. So I've used these products myself and absolutely love them. Wouldn't recommend them and sell them on my site if I hadn't, and so. Would strongly recommend people check them out if you're looking for a more healthy way to deal with stress. You can find them on AdrianBakerChigong.com. Qigong is spelled Q-I-G-O-N-G dot com. And if you go to the store section and click on HerbWorks, you will find Roger's products there. It's also a great way to support the show. I'm doing affiliate marketing and only offering products that I. Truly believe in, and getting a small commission on that just goes a small way towards helping finance the production costs of the show. And in the meantime, I'm raising awareness around products that I really believe in. So, 
hope that you learn more about these wonderful tools and strategies for managing stress from Roger. And it's just a fascinating conversation overall. It's in two parts. It's a two-hour conversation. I'm releasing the first part this week and the second part the following week. So please enjoy my conversation with Roger Drummer. And as always, I'd love to hear from you on the Hacking the Cell Facebook page or on Twitter. And if you could please, if you haven't already, just take 30 seconds to support the show by going into iTunes, clicking subscribe. Number one, subscribing to the show helps a lot in terms of raising the profile. And number two, just taking 30 seconds to rate the show if you're enjoying it, giving it five stars. And both of those things really help to raise the profile of the show and help to get this message out around health and wellness to a larger audience of people. So thank you so much and enjoy my conversation with Roger Drummer. You know, I've been doing some conversations on, which will be out before our episodes together, on Chinese medicine, which should give people some context. But I haven't done one on herbalism yet specifically, and I never want to assume, you know, that people have prior knowledge. So just perhaps we can give people a a brief kind of 101 for people who are not familiar about what is Chinese herbalism and how did you become interested in it? Just a little bit of context. Chinese herbology is probably makes up 80 some percent of Chinese medicine. So when someone says Chinese medicine, what they really are talking about is herbalism. The acupuncture, the tui na, the different other aspects of it make up a much smaller percentage. But when you're talking about Chinese medicine in particular, it's the herbs. Now, the herbal stuff that I do doesn't really fit into a normal Chinese medical model because I was trained in Three Treasures tonic herbalism, which has more to do with just treating deficiencies as opposed to treating illnesses and colds and flus and other any other disease that state that you can think of. So it was perfect herbalism for to learn for the masses because what how do people become deficient? How do people get you know lose their energy through stress and normal living? And that, that describes Western lifestyle to a T, right? We lose our energy. So tonic herbalism is more about helping to put energy back into something that's worn out so that the life force comes up enough that you have something to work with. And a lot of times what I found was that that was really all I needed to do with most people. They were just worn out. It's not like they had an illness. They might have been expressing an illness or even expressing a infection like a virus or something. But that was only expressing itself because they had become so worn out and their immune system was so weak that it could no longer suppress the things that we all carry around in our bodies anyway. Can you explain a little bit, because I know deficiency has a particular meaning in Chinese medicine. So if if you just want to unpack that a little bit for the audience, if you mean sure. something specific. Like a tonic it. herb, the description of a tonic herb is just something that strengthens a weakness or a deficiency somewhere in your body. But in the terms of tonic herbalism and Chinese herbology, a deficiency usually means you're deficient in some sort of substance, you're deficient in qi, or you're deficient in yin or jing, yin and yang. You're deficient in how your organs could be deficient in their ability to produce qi, and thus your body won't produce energy. Your kidneys could be deficient in yin or your lung yin is deficient. You can have all these different deficiencies of different organs systems and so that they're not working at their optimum level of function. And so you build those things up in somebody's body. And that's what herbs do. Herbs are specifically for yin deficiency, yang deficiency, qi deficiency, and everything that goes along with that. Okay. So with previous guests, we've talked about yin and yang before. And, you know, for people who haven't heard episodes with people like Ben Elon or Shana Zhang, I would encourage you to go back and listen to those. But, you know, when you're talking about yin deficiency and yang deficiency, can you give some examples of, of what you mean by that, by yin and yang in that context? 
Sure. You know, without getting too far out there with yin and yang, because you can, and it doesn't matter if you've talked about yin and yang for 30 years, you can read something that'll completely confuse you because it's a never-ending subject that <laughs> goes back thousands and thousands of years. But in when you're dealing with normal people in everyday situations, let's say you have someone who's hyperactive, right? Let's say you're 40 years old and you're hyperactive and you're warm all the time. Well, you might have been born with a, a constitution to where you run a little warm and you're hyperactive, right? So that would be considered someone that burns energy inappropriately. And so they have a tendency, because they're more of a yang constitution person, to run out of energy if you don't supply it. Now, that's a typical person that would be beneficial for them to somehow have something in their program or their lifestyle that built their yin up, which is the moisture and the substance you know, of their body. Yin and yang as far as yin goes and what, what they call jing, which is something they, it's an energy that includes your kidneys, your skeletal system, your brain, your glandular system. It has to do with energy that has become substance. So this yin is a cooling substance, like the tears in your eyes, the moisture in your saliva, the moisture in your joints. Um, all these different things are part of the yin substance. Your your um, sexual fluids are yin substance, right? And so you can become deficient of that. And then when you become deficient of that, you feel on edge all the time. You feel kind of hot and you might have an abrasive personality or get angry quicker or more tension in your system. And you don't, in yoga, you would say you, you have trouble stretching, all these different things because they're related to the amount of softness and moisture and cooling substance in your body. So when you're talking to someone, you would recognize a pattern and then included in their program would be some good herbs for moistening things. And if they had an, a condition that was obviously one organ was really deficient, like their lungs are, you know, really dry, you would make sure that that yin tonic was specific for that part of their body. You know, you were talking earlier about how this is really this sort of tonic herbalist approach is really what's perfect for Western society, because we're always so stressed all the time, which is absolutely spot on. So I guess, first of all, before I begin to ask you some questions on this, I, I should first you know, invite you to just sort of tell the audience a little bit about what it is that you've created and what it is that you're doing with Tian Chi that really addresses this stress. And feel free to not only talk about Tian Chi, but just sort of the larger, you know, array of, of offerings that you have. And then we can perhaps begin to unpack that. Sure. You know, I became interested in Chinese herbology back in the late 80s. And then actually had moved to Los Angeles and had chronic fatigue at the time. And so I ended up in an herb shop and was taken on as an apprentice. And so over that period of time that then lasted about the next 14 years of working with people and putting, oh, easily 30,000 people on programs, along that way, you began to realize what almost everybody's problem was, and that was stress, right? There's, they all had various things that they thought were diseases or, you know, extreme imbalances. But over a period of time, you realize that if you got somebody to relax, most of their problems went away, right? And then it was just a matter of putting some energy back into their system. It was surprising. You could have someone come in and and tell you 18 different health issues, right? And the other funny thing about the 90s was that if you told somebody they were experiencing stress back then, they would get angry, right? So you couldn't just tell them they were stressed because that was insulting. Nowadays, everybody wants to say they're stressed. It's like the biggest club in the world, right? Everybody admits it. But back then, it was just like, well, I'm just going to add this. Like we would add reishi mushroom to almost everybody's program because it was a great tonic for someone that was stressed, but also because we knew that they would just be different the next time we saw them. <laughs> they would just, something would happen and they'd be nicer 
and half their problems would disappear because they weren't as stressed out. In fact, they come back and people, it was so common for someone, well, how's this problem going? Oh, you know, I forgot I had that. Stuff <laughs> all the time because you just gave them something that was, you know, for the stress. And the great thing about reishi mushroom is you can just tell them they needed an immune system tonic because it's a great immune system tonic. But it would calm their nervous system too. And it opens up your brain so that the energy shifts in your brain and then you see things a little bit differently. So the next time you run into them, they're almost different people. So it's kind of, it's really odd. But along the way, when I was working there, I realized that stress was the number one thing. And even Western medicine says that now that over 90% of all doctor's visits are just related to stress. And so when I was no longer in that environment and wanted to start my own company, I really wanted to deal with um, the help the most amount of people I could possibly help. And so I decided that would be to help them deal with their stresses in life and how stress just disrupts every single thing you have going on in your entire life. And then the more I got into it, the more I realized that, you know, there was at that time, Alzheimer's was becoming a huge issue. And so there was all this stuff coming out on memory issues and, and, you know, what was all related to that. But then the more you dug into it, you realized a lot of that was just stress. And so because stress has this amazing way that it just deteriorates the memory centers in your brain. And so it all kind of snowballed into me making what I sell today, which is my main formula is Tian Chi, which is a formula for stress based on adaptogens. And, you know, half that formula is just a formula of nutraceuticals and nutrients designed to peak brain function. Because you realize along the way when people are stressed for long periods of time, the first thing that happens is a deficiency. They become deficient not only of yin and yang and energy that you would talk about in Chinese medicine, but they become just deficient in nutrients. And, you know, the United States still is a country, and this is something I learned when I got into nutrition in the early 80s, the United States has always been looked at as a country that's overfed and undernourished. And it hasn't gotten any better. We're more overfed now and more undernourished than we were back in the early 80s. And so that you realize that when you come to brain function, that people, you know, they're experiencing a memory issue right now. But it's more likely related to the fact that they've been deficient in things their brain just needs to function for 30 to 40 years. And so just by giving them one little nutrient or, you know, one little antioxidant is not going to make up for that deficiency. You have to give them real nutrition that feeds their brain and runs the processes associated with memory. Yeah, one thing that I noticed about you know American culture when I moved away from it is it just some things that really stood out. You know, it's not only that we are our whole values are rooted around production and achievement and things like that that make us sort of really sort of put our foot on the pedal <laughs> and never let up. But we have all these these sort of uh, attitudes and habits and cultural beliefs that are related to that, but that are really, they actually undermine that goal of being more, achieving more and being more productive because we're so caught up in certain beliefs about how we look. Like example, uh, in many other cultures, it's totally acceptable to take a nap after lunch and I was just listening to the sleep scientists at UC Berkeley talk about from a totally scientific perspective, the way your metabolism works, which is tied to your circadian rhythm. Your body is biologically designed to take a nap midday after lunch. But because we have so, we're so caught up in beliefs around working hard and not appearing lazy and things like that, we don't allow taking a nap, even though if you were from a purely capitalist perspective, if you wanted to increase output, a very smart thing to do would be to let people take a 30-minute nap. But we have all these kind of beliefs that imprison us. Oh, yeah. You know, you'll laugh, but my wife grew up in Germany. And in Germany, you cannot mow your lawn between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. because people nap. You're not well, allowed, talk about you're a hardworking culture to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll get in trouble. You're not allowed to make noise. I like noise. that. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a great yeah, idea. It's, it's a great idea. Yeah. So, you know, people become worn out. You know, we're a society that's really worn out and we we have this problem with shutting down and taking breaks. And so it's just everybody I ever talk to is stressed and they're deficient. They're worn out. And, you know, it, it's there's nothing in Western medicine for that. Although I think with functional medicine, they're moving a little bit toward that. But Chinese medicine has recognized that for you know, thousands of years, that people just become worn out and they need to supplement. They need to supplement their chi so that their body has an optimum level of function that they present to the world. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what exactly... Well, let's talk about what is supplementation, because that's a word we use in the West, but it might have a different meaning. Talk about what is supplementation from a Chinese medicinal perspective or a tonic herbalist perspective. Well, in Chinese herbology, have you been in a very many Chinese herb shops? Uh, I've been in a couple, multiple times, a regular doctor that I see right. uh, regularly, Chinese doctor in Bangkok. Well, you know how when you walk into a shop, if it's an herb shop, you have an herbalist that's usually behind a counter with a whole bunch of drawers. But out front in the store, there's a bunch of herbs laying around that you could just pick up and buy. Well, those herbs that you can just pick up and buy are mostly tonic herbs. They would never put medicine out there that you could pick up and take home and make yourself sick, right? There's That stuff's behind the counter for the doctor. So they have a culture of having herbs that the average person just learns about from the time they're a child that can just pick up a few things, take it home and throw it into soup or make a tea or do all these different things. It's, a, it's part of a supplementation to their normal diet. You know, it's not unusual to make chicken soup with Don Kwai and a little bit of ginseng slices in it or codnopsis or different herbs that help you build blood because the body just has a requirement for that. And it makes it easier to do that. You know, here, supplementation means vitamins. And vitamins can be very useful. In fact, it's, you know, it's a pretty exciting thing, but they are just single chemicals that occur in food. And you still have to eat food with them to get anything out of them. They have to be, you know, they have to take it with a food so it becomes part of that meal and it supplements the way your body utilizes that certain nutrient, but it's different. You know, there's not a, it doesn't have a chi building effect or it's not building a particular type of substance that your body can utilize for a host of different things. It's, it's much different, even though it is still supplementation. So you said something that's very important there, and I just want to tease it out a bit for people who might be new to using these kind of terms. What do you mean when you talk about a chi building effect? What do you mean by that? And how do Chinese herbs cultivate that? Whereas vitamins per se do not. Well, chi is the energy that activates everything in your body. Just the fact that I'm talking, I'm using chi. The fact that I'm moving my hands or doing anything requires energy or chi. And this is, this is a substance that usually probably drives American scientists and doctors nuts about Chinese medicine, this concept of energy and chi. And it's very fascinating. Like there's just certain herbs that have a very strong physical chi to it, like ginseng in particular. People wonder why, you know, ginseng is such an important thing. Well, it's because there's no other herb that has as much concentrated chi in it as a good ginseng root. Now, you might think that's odd and it's it's not... And it, it's kind of hard to describe. It's much different than how a Western scientist would look at this. A Western scientist will say it has this ginsenicide and that ginsenicide, and this is how it works, and through these ginsenicides, right? Well, I don't know if that has anything to do with the chi. I'm sure it adds to the chi, but a certain root will have a certain amount of energy. And when I became an apprentice, we had a lot of ginseng in the store and extracted things and you know, I was running a bar, I was making drinks, so I got to use anything I want. And I really got this amazing lesson in ginseng because I would take a lot of it, right? And you wouldn't think, you know, you think of energy as like a cup of coffee, right? Well, it's not like that, but all of a sudden the energy would rise in my body 
And I and because I had chronic fatigue and I had a lot of health issues going along on, my energy at that time didn't circulate very well. And so most of the time when I took really good ginseng, within a half an hour, it felt like there was a gorilla sitting on my neck. It was, just, it was just like I had this almost like a boulder that wasn't moving, right? And I had to go out and do something to try and move that energy. It was so strong, although I didn't feel overly energized. I didn't feel amped up or anything. But that movement of chi around my body, my you know, because of my chronic fatigue, my meridians and my the way my energy flowed couldn't handle that much chi. You were probably taking like hundreds of dollars worth of ginseng without knowing <laughs> I took it. Hundreds of dollars of ginseng every week. It totally. Was, <laughs> it was. We were a very unique shop in that we, right before I showed up there, the owner had a revelation, or it might have been when I was just starting there, but he had a revelation one day that people wanted to buy really good stuff. You know, it was we were a Chinese herb shop that was run by Americans. And we all just spoke English. And so right away, it became very popular with, you know, the Hollywood crowd, the music industry, people were all over. And, and the owner at the time was always getting these extracted things and just eating them himself because it cost a lot of money. And then somebody saw him, you know, getting into a bag and he wanted to know what it was. He, he finally told him and he says, well, give me some of it. And so he asked him for a hundred bucks and the guy just threw it down. He took his little bottle of powder home. So the, <laughs> the lights kind of came on and go, people want good stuff. You know, they don't care. They're tired of buying these little pills and these little $2, you know, supplement things from China. So that's kind of how the, the herb shop evolved. And all of a sudden, one day, the owner and I were sitting there. Uh, he decided to make a ginseng product. And so we had eight different types of ginseng roots because this is something else that very few people know that ginseng, you know, there's so many different types of it, even though it's all the same root. But it's kind of like tea. If you're familiar with green tea or oolong tea, there's a thousand different kinds, but it's all the same plant. The difference is how long it grows, where, what the soil is, what elevation it is. All these different things make up how that plant is different. And it's the same way with ginseng. How old it is when you buy it, whether it's cultivated, whether it's wild, whether it's been cured with other herbs and dried to be red, to make it hotter, to go down to your, your Ming men or your kidneys. And whether it's just a wild root that's been harvested and it's 25 years old and it just shoots up to the top of your head and blows your heart open and all these different things happen with each different root. And so we were making this batch of ginseng. We had eight different kinds in it and we just decided we had to charge $150 a bottle for this ginseng, little two ounce dropper bottle, right? And we thought, well, who's going to buy Must that? Must have been some good ginseng. Yeah, but, but I know it can get really expensive. Once we got it in the store, it just disappeared. It wow. was <laughs> people just you know three or four years later, we were making three hundred and fifty dollar bottles of ginseng, and people would sign up. We had to limit them how many they could buy because people with money would go, "Well, I'll take a dozen." Well, no, you can't. We only make sixty. Right, you're allowed to have right. three this year. <laughs> Let me. Okay, this is a perfect. I want to ask you this <laughs> since we're on the topic of ginseng. So I've heard different things on this and I'd love to get your perspective. You know, the the benefits of ginseng are touted very strongly by not only Chinese medicine, people in Western medicine, you know, like you said, perhaps that paradigm doesn't work for interpreting the benefits, but even Western medicine is affirming it. And so a lot of people are supplementing ginseng on their own. I've also heard some people say that ginseng from a Chinese medicine perspective isn't necessarily meant to be taken, you know, self-prescribed like that unless someone has a really deep knowledge of, you know, yin yang five elements, how to balance it. And so I'm curious about your perspective of this. Is ginseng something that's okay to kind of just DIY supplement on your own or should it be at the prescription of a doctor? And if it's somewhere in between, you know, what sort of base of knowledge do you need to work with it? Well, I think with most ginseng that you're going to run into on the market, it's all basically four-year-old ginseng, which means it just has some stimulating properties to it. It hasn't developed its characteristics 
that make it an adaptogen. It's just a stimulating, has some stimulating ginsenicides in it. And as a cheat tonic, a small amount of it every day is not bad for you, but you could easily overdo it and people wouldn't realize that. And so it might lead to things like high blood pressure, a lot of shoulder and neck tension, grinding your teeth, things like that, because it's too strong for a, especially for an overstressed body to process and to circulate the energy of it. But most people, I think, if you're sick and you're using ginseng, you probably should see a doctor because it should be taken with other herbs to utilize it fully and to help the energy circulate the way it's supposed to and actually use the whole root because if you take it with a few other things generally, especially when it's being taken as a chi tonic, it'll work much better for you and you won't need as much. Now in China, traditionally, People under 40 or so years of age never got ginseng. You know, astragalus was the herb that they gave people that were younger. You got ginseng when you're 40 and 50 and you start to wear out. It's considered too strong of an herb. Now, I in particular love ginseng, but I'm someone who absolutely loves wild ginseng. And I think it's probably the most complicated amazing, one of the most amazing substances on the planet as far as an herb. And if I had access to the to the right formula of wild roots extracted the right way, I would probably use a small amount of it every day. Of course, I am in my 60s, so I have permission. But I would use a small amount of it every day, but it would not have a lot to do with my energy. It would have more to do with meditation, opening up the microcosmic orbit, a lot of things that have to do with what they call shen in Chinese medicine. Interesting. So is there a particular kind of ginseng that you like? Because I know you don't seem to offer a ginseng product yourself in a mind. No, because yeah. it's it's very expensive and it's a seasonal thing and uh, making the extracts. And I, it's not that I don't plan on doing that sometime in the future, but it'll be a limited production issue. And I don't even talk about ginseng that often because I because there's not that much of it to go around really good stuff so I don't want to create an uh, this issue with people going out and trying to buy up you don't want to give up you your know. source understandably well the source <laughs> but I don't want people just going up and buying you know a thousand pounds of wild roots and and uh, not knowing what they're doing with them you know it's one of those things kind of a it's a sacred thing to me a, a wild ginseng root and it's, you know, the Buddhists used to say you can make a karmic leap in a lifetime by consuming a ginseng root. And I'm pretty sure the Taoists used to have this idea that they would consume one every year, but they would only, they would get a root and then consume it, you know, cook it and extract it down and consume it that week and then never take it again for the whole year. And, you know, back then, you know, a couple thousand years ago, that's where the whole story of the, you know, it got called a man root because you found a wild ginseng root. It might be three feet long with all the hairs and different things underneath the ground. Yeah, it's just unbelievable energy and the chi the and something like that, which is completely different from most ginseng you see on the market. Most thing you see is a physical energy type of thing. This is more um, just opening up golden light pathways in your energy field and your microcosmic orbit. And it's, you know, it's, it's just a magical herb. So let's talk about um, Tian Chi and, and, and really what goes into there. So we've been talking about, you know, you really wanted to create this kind of tonic herbal formula to address people's stress. And you, you started to talk about reishi mushrooms, which is a key ingredient. But why don't you talk about just sort of the overview of what's in Tianchi, and then perhaps we can we can start to unpack some of the other ones. I want to be sure to talk about wild chisandra for sure. It's based on adaptogenic herbs, and the reason for that is is because there's a couple ways you can go at stress. One is directly working on your liver because your liver is part of your nervous system. And so in Chinese medicine, you take things that move the liver and circulate your energy and sometimes sedate your liver. You know, it's calming your nervous system. And the other way is through adaptogenic herbs. Adaptogenic herbs work directly on your glandular system, which is part of the system that becomes deficient. In other words, it's, it's lost enough energy that it's become imbalanced 
and that imbalance causes the glands not to fire together as well as they should. So your whole system goes off as far as homeostasis of your whole entire system. And so when you take an adaptogen, it regulates the HPA axis, which is just your hypothalamus pituitary adrenals. And once that regulates or goes back to what you would say is almost its normal relaxed function, the whole body just starts to operate differently. You know, the first thing that happens with a good adaptogen is that your nervous system calms. You know, that's one of the first signals you get from it. Your nervous system calms. Now your energy starts to move around your body. I learned this when I had chronic fatigue is that a lot of times, even people with chronic fatigue have a lot of chi in their body somewhere. It's just stuck and it's not moving. And it's not moving because their nervous system is so out of balance that everything is just kind of frozen in their body. I remember the first time I had a glass of tea with reishi mushroom in it. My entire system relaxed and I just felt energy all over my body. Now, it didn't last that long because I was so depleted with my chronic fatigue for years. But that feeling, I can still remember that feeling of being so alive and feeling just so good. (laughs) It was because my nervous system (laughs) finally relaxed. And I was one of those people, I didn't think I was stressed. I didn't even think about stress. No one ever talked to me about stress right? And so it's, that's kind of, those experiences are what I base tea on chi on. So I use adaptogenic herbs and there's, you know, quite a few of them in there and and at very good doses. And, And there's a reason for that too. It's just that I've mixed rhodiola, reishi mushroom, shizandra, eleuthero ginseng, so, and ashwagandha. And the reason I mix them is that even though they're all adaptogens, and they all slightly influence your glandular system and the HPA axis. Some of them are stronger for pituitary. Some are stronger for your um, adrenal glands. Some hit your pineal gland a little bit more. There's, a, there's all these different subtle effects of each one. So when you blend them together, you get an overall tonic to your whole glandular system. And it has a very powerful effect of calming your nervous system. Now, Shizandra, you I know you asked me about Shizandra. Uh, is, it's always been one of my favorite herbs. When I started apprenticing, it was one of the first herbs I learned about. And, and But it's a mild adaptogen. But the thing about Shizandra is that it brightens your mind a little bit in a different way than adaptogenic herbs do. Adaptogenic herbs will brighten your mind a bit because it activates or opens up how your pituitary works. And your pituitary is linked to an energy center in your forehead, which basically powers up the frontal lobe of your brain. So once you take a good adaptogen, that part of your brain will become more active. And then it's harder to fall down into the part of your brain that's just locked into the stress response. This is one of the beauties about adaptogens in that you want to shut off, you want to regulate the stress response. If it's overactive, you want to shut it kind of shut it down for a little bit so your body can regroup. But if your brain is always activated and working in a more coherent pattern and by opening up and nurturing the glands, then parts of your brain that override the stress response are more active. So it's harder to fall into a full-on stress response. And so you see things differently because different parts of your brain are activated. And so this is why I focused the herbal part of Tian Chi on that specifically. And then part of that herbal formula also is things for Jing, you know, that we talked about earlier, a little bit of yin tonic, some yang tonics, so that your adrenal glandular energy is taken care of, so that when your nervous system calms, one of the first things your body wants to do after your stress response is shut off is release hormones so that the body resets itself. And you got to have the substance there. You know, in Chinese medicine, again, is really all about substance. You got to have the substance there for that function to fully work. You don't want to be deficient and you not have any gin tonics there for your body to soak up. And if it's there, when your nervous system calms, then that Hosho Wu and Lyceum and those different herbs will just be kind of sitting there ready to soak up energy. And Shizandra is really good at that too. I mean, Shizandra is known for 
herb that locks energy into your body. It's an astringent. So it's great for taking it with sexual tonics. It's great for taking it with tonics for your brain because it just locks energy into your system. Uh, that explains. My friend yesterday was telling me, the friend I told you runs the biodynamic tea company in China, why she was taking Shizandra with ginseng because she felt depleted and it was presumably locking in the chi from the ginseng. Yes. it's uh, It just helps your body hold on. There's so many reasons to take Shizandra. You know, since, <laughs> since Western research has gotten so big in the last 20, 30 years on Chinese herbs, one of my favorites because, you know, a lot of people can't relate to chi, they can't relate to astringents, but when you find out that you can go to PubMed and they have done research that shows if you take Shizandra, you offset all the toxicity from taking acetaminophen for headaches, right? <laughs> so because it has this glutathione producing effect on the liver and it moves your liver and detoxes it. So it's a very powerful herb, and it's a powerful herb to take, especially if you're getting headaches and have to take some sort of painkiller because it actually moves that stuff out of your liver and helps to rebalance that um, aspect of your liver's ability to produce glutathione and detox things. And yet it's a tonic that is also really good for your lungs and your kidneys and your sexual energy and your liver and in your brain and how does it support the uh the kidneys because i've heard that claim before about about shizandra in what ways does it support the uh the kidneys well it supports the kidneys not only through um, glutathione production in your lungs and in your liver but also just that it helps through this astringent quality it helps lock in yin tonics into the body so if you take like for instance, Romania, or you're taking asparagus root, or you know Hosho Wu and Lyceum and all these things, your body can only hold on to so much of it. But through this ability of taking Shizandra with it, it's known as a lock. It locks energy into your body. Makes sense. You know, I want to continue actually to unpack just a, some some more of these herbs that are in tea on chi because adaptogenic herbs is really becoming a more popular phenomenon now. And I, I want to sort of work through some of these other ones. But before we do, I I want just do another vocab check for people who might not be familiar with the idea of jing. You talked about Shizandra cultivating jing. And so can you, once again, I know it's a big concept, but can you briefly explain what you mean by the concept of jing for those who might not know? Just to kind of summarize, what I learned in herbology was tonic herbalism through the lens of jing, chi, and shen, the three treasures. And it may sound a little confusing to folks out there, but everything is qi. Even though it's jing, qi, and shen, everything is qi. It's just jing is qi that's been condensed into substance, right? So your whole physical body is somewhat related to jing. And, but in particular, when you're talking about someone's health, an individual's health, the jing has more to do with their glandular system, their skeletal system, their reproductive system is, is really jing, and their brain, the vitality of their mind, all these different things are related to jing. It's substance. It's the chi that's become condensed and is now substance. And so if someone came to me and they had a fertility issue, a woman was having fertility issues, right away, you would ask her a bunch of questions that would be related to her reproductive system, and really the concept of jing. How am I going to put energy back into this person and back into their jing? Because their jing has probably become depleted through stress, and they're not making the hormones they're supposed to have because hormones are part of that substance of jing. So if you're deficient in jing, especially yin jing, you're not going to have the substance to make your hormones out of it. And so with a woman, you always want to look at jing deficiencies, but you also want to look at blood deficiencies. So, and this is a more even more confusing for, for a lot of people is that you can't really build up, especially in women, it's hard to build much jing unless you're building blood at the same time because it's all deficiency issues. And with most women, you if you pay attention to their blood supply, 
and how their blood is moving through their system, you can correct almost anything that's going on. If you correct that, then a, a woman has a really great chance to be very vital and alive and fertile and healthy. So because a woman's whole life revolves around her menstrual cycle, her physical health, whereas a man, it's just chi, it's physical energy, right? So, but this idea with Jing is that anybody over the age of 30 who's become, you know, has been out in the world and becoming stressed probably has some sort of Jing deficiency. Something's going on on some level that they need to correct and bring up a little bit so that your body works a little bit better. It could be just that your brain's foggy. You're not getting enough energy to your brain because that's part of Jing too. Or you might have a tendency to to hurt your skeletal system more often than most people or to injure your, you know, your skeletal system more often because it's a slightly weak. And, you know, in the West, we think of that always as calcium issues, which has become everybody kind of now knows that it has so little to do with most skeletal issues. But it's this life force that's missing. It's, it's substance that your body needs to build and maintain skeletal system. That could be your weakness. So you just kind of, you figure these things out when you're sitting out and talking to someone. But in general, anybody over the age of 30 does really well by taking some sort of jing tonic as part of their program. That's fascinating. I actually want to hear you elaborate on that, that latter point a bit. So yeah, on the topic of bone health, you know, people in the West, they would talk about calcium you know, and I think people now it's expanding a bit more. They're realizing it's not just calcium. There are all these other important minerals and vitamins that are essential to bone building. But I think what you're saying is it's even beyond that. And I'm, I'm curious what, a, from a Chinese perspective, you know, what drives something like osteoporosis or, or weak skeletal structure? Well, weak substance in the body in general, but... If you look at, in my opinion, <laughs> the whole thing where we've, we've shoved calcium down people's throats for the last 30 years has probably caused more heart disease than it's prevented osteoporosis. There's never been much research showing that taking calcium by itself really benefits that many people. But, you know, that's just how Western medicine works. Western medicine likes to reduce everything to a single substance or a single pill, and that's used as a remedy for everything. And so that's how they reduce everything down to, to one thing, right? And so it's never been proven. In fact, you get better calcium out of just eating greens and vegetables than you ever will out of any pill you ever want to take because that plant has actually absorbed that calcium and turned it into something that your body recognizes and utilizes. And there's countless studies all over the world that show certain uh, segments of the population don't even know what osteoporosis is. And when you look at their diet and analyze it, they never get more than 250 milligrams of calcium a day. And it's all just from vegetables. And you probably heard this too, is that the, the countries with the worst osteoporosis are countries that consume the most dairy products. Yeah. And, and have the highest calcium intake. Yeah. Highest calcium intake. So there's very little correlation between high calcium intake and strong bones. It has something to do with a lot of other issues. You know, and, and you know, when I started apprenticing at the herb shop and we had a lot of people that, you know, you'd always see so many people with a vast array of different issues going on. But I mean, it's, it's so common for me to know that people took a few gin tonics when they broke an arm or had an injury and that arm healed a couple of weeks sooner than the person that didn't do it. And why is that? It's because it's building up a port, something, part of your life force, because Jing and Qi, it really is about life force in your body. And because your body has more of this substance, it makes everything that it's supposed to make. You know, besides that, the herbs have certain levels of nutrients in them and minerals in them. These are really strong herbs, a lot of them grow for eight or 10 years before they're harvested. And so they do have a sufficient, you know, a bit, a little bit of mineral to them also, but there's a heavy, there's an energy to it that it imparts to your body. So your body just starts to work at a different level of function. Now, since we're talking about bones, just the fact that you're involved in Qigong 
that is probably one of the best things in the world for someone to do if they wanted to make their skeletal system stronger. Because Qigong, you know, unless it's changed in the last 30 years since I, I met this Qigong master that I, I knew back in Los Angeles, but it's all about concentrating your energy down in your Ming Men and your, the golden stove, right? And that energy becomes concentrated and, you know, you might want to use that for healing or whatever it is, but that is the energy that's the power for your entire body. It's like the battery for everything. It's how everything works. This is kind of what Jing is like. Jing and your adrenals are like a battery, a power pack in your system. And once you consolidate that, then you can just you can do just about anything. You could use that energy for healing. You could use it just to heal your own body because your body has built up this life force that then it has this substance to move around and to utilize. Yeah, and there's specific kinds of qigong. There's bone qigong, you know, where you do it with more tension that really focuses on getting the qi down into the bones and the bone marrow. And that can be particularly helpful. Yeah, you know, it's qigong. I, I always laugh when I compare qigong to like in the U.S. You know, we kind of alluded to this earlier. We we're talking about how everybody wants everything to happen right away in the U.S. You know, with with yoga and different things. You can go to a weekend course and become a yoga teacher in a weekend, right? And I remember when I got into Chinese herbology that um, if you wanted to study in China with a master to study Qigong, if you read stories about guys that traveled to China to study Qigong in the 40s and stuff, they would show up at this guy's practice every day for three years before you let him in. <laughs> Think about it. And then you'd have to stand in horse for a year. Just stand there. <laughs> you know, but, you know, here you can just go get a certificate for the weekend and you're out doing whatever you want. It's just, it's a whole different way of a different consciousness about things. And you think it's crazy, but I'll tell you, if you stand in horse for a year, Man, you got some powerful energy. You got some powerful legs going on there. Yeah. Yeah, my Qigong teacher was saying that his teacher would make him stand. He said if you're, even my teacher said, if you should be doing Zhang Zhuang for 20 minutes minimum, 40 would be best. And after the practice, you know, after your hour or two of practice or whatever, and after your warm ups, And he said that when he first was with his teacher, you know, he'd be just shaking violently the entire time because he just couldn't hold himself up. And then eventually he could do 10 minutes without shaking and 20 minutes without shaking then the whole practice. But yeah, it's you try doing something just like John Zhuang where you're holding your arms up in front of you. It might look easy, but after doing that for a few minutes. Oh, it's, 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 incredible. it's incredible. You know, I, I took um, Kung Fu for a while from a guy that was a 10th degree black belt and his big thing was you just show up and do stand and horse for 40 minutes gosh i thought i was gonna die you know <laughs> it's just i he'd let you once every 10 minutes he'd move you just a little bit so you just move a little bit you know and most of the time people were just falling over they just fall over they get to a certain point you look around glass you hear a thump some guy just fell over <laughs> Yeah, no need for the gym and doing 10 reps of, yeah, three sets of 10 reps on this machine. If you just stood in that, your quads would be rocks. Yeah, it's unbelievable, you know. So it's just a different way of looking at energy, but it's, but all those practices build up your internal energy. And, and you know, it's a concept we just don't have here in the West, that internal energy. And I think that is kind of where this whole idea of tonic herbalism really comes from, you know, because tonic herbalism originated with Taoism and ancient China, you know, it was, it was this idea of putting energy in and more than likely I would have to guess that people were, you know, the, the, the Taoists were doing it in conjunction with all their physical practices of putting energy back into your system. And that's really kind of where it kind of evolved from. Well, I actually, I'd love to come back to Qigong because I want to ask you more about that. But do you want to unpack just a couple more of those key ingredients that are, you know, in Tian Qi? You know, what adaptogenic herbs are just absolutely 
amazing that people should know more about. So you've said reishi mushroom and cisandra. What are some other ones that really pop out that are in Tianqi? Well, ashwagandha. Now, ashwagandha is not a Chinese herb. It's a you know Ayurvedic herb out of India, but it's one of my favorite herbs in the formula because it has such how would you put it has such an effect on microcosmic orbit and by that in case you're not familiar with that someone listening that's an energy that the Taoist always talked about during their meditation they would circulate energy up and around the body it's an orbit of energy that follows your glands and the energy centers that come out from those and so Ashwagandha tends to have a, a very powerful effect of slightly nurturing almost all your glands. It's just a very fascinating herb and it has a, a nice calming effect on your nervous system without being sedating. It has, you can take it in large amounts. It's just a very, I would almost call it a gin tonic too, because, you know, there's studies that come out that show that. It, for men, it helps build testosterone if you're taking like 600 milligrams a day. There's, it has a powerful effect on your hormones. It's great for your thyroid gland. There's all this different research on it. But if it's having that powerful an effect on your testosterone, it has to be some sort of a jing tonic. It's building your kidney reproductive energy. You know, and I just kind of love that herb. It has a very milky kind of flavor to it. But I think that when I started adding that to Tian Chi, when I switched over the types I was using and started adding this full spectrum ashwagandha to it, that the formula just became much richer and much more, how would you put it, consolidating in your system. Interesting. Yeah, I, I have some ashwagandha that I also take separately from the inner piece, not on the same night, but I've, I've taken that in a, and it's probably like a, 800 milligram dose and it's deeply relaxing i mean you can feel it just calm your nervous system oh you know that's one of the best herbs if you had it by itself if you took it if you wanted to take it right before bed it does have a very strong relaxing effect and it will not wake you up some adaptogens you can't do that with you know like rhodiola rhodiola for some people just wakes them right up and it, you know, and they just have so much energy from it. And other people, they, you know, it has an opposite effect. But you never find that with ashwagandha. I don't get people that just get amped up from taking that herb. And it's, it's kind of funny with adaptogens. You have to have a certain amount of it um, to get the relaxing effect. Sometimes if you take way too much, you can have the opposite effect from them. But it's all regulating in your system. It's all about uh, what your body needs at the moment when you actually take it. How about, and I'm sure I'm going to pronounce this wrong, but I've seen it before. Is it astragalus? Astragalus. astragalus. Yes. Okay, so talk about exactly what, what that is. Astragalus is a chi tonic, very similar to ginseng. In fact, it's known as young man's ginseng. So it builds strong physical chi, and it's the preferred you know, chi tonic for most formulas and for most people when they're younger because they feel that ginseng's a little too strong, a little too powerful. But in and of itself, astragalus is an amazing herb. It's probably one of the best immune system building herbs of any tonic herbs. There's countless studies here in the West using that in a combination with other herbs to boost immune function after radical treatment of Western medicine, things like chemo and radiation. It's kind of funny when you see it, it's sliced really thin. It looks like a tongue depressor, you know, one of those sticks that the doctor uses to look down your throat. It's yellow and it's got a, like a milky white um, stripe in the middle of it. But it's very sweet. It has a very sweet taste to it. But it's the number one herb for something they call Wei Qi, which is the circulating immune energy of your body that's related to your adrenals and related to protecting you from outside influences. If you know somebody that just hates windy weather or a cold wind, it always seems like it hits their neck and they get sick or they get cramps or something. That's someone who's supposed to be way chi deficient. And astragalus would be an amazing herb for them. And it's also a very, very safe herb. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, you can take just about any amount of astragalus that you would want to, that would make sense anyway. 
and not have any side effects from taking it. In fact, a few years back, they, were, they isolated a chemical out of it that they were showing had a very powerful effect on um, longevity and actually helping the, the caps in the end of your chromosomes from breaking down. So it was considered one of the ultimate anti-aging substances. But I don't think, I don't know if anybody uses that substance anymore because it was so expensive to produce. You know, it took so much. I mean, literally it's less than one, probably one one hundredth of a percent of it in a, in a normal astragalus. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's so small, the amount of it. But um, a lot of great research on it. So, I mean, it's it's one of those herbs that you'll also see in just about any formula that builds chi from, you know, in tonic herbalism. Astragalus is almost always in it because it's so strengthening and so mild and really there's no side effects ever associated with it. 